Hello and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, poet and playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. In this, our third year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever-changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. Hi folks, and welcome back to Strength to Be Human. This is your host, poet and playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. This is episode number 200, Fear is Not Your Shepherd. I know, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Episode 200, wow. You know, you never know where that that mark is going to land on what, what topic it is. But hey, this is as good a topic as any to land on, on 200. Maybe, ideally the best, because it's really a topic that we should come back to more often than not sort of like depression because it, it, it's something that people wrestle on on a regular basis with and and you'll find that it's universal on anybody who does any kind of art so it doesn't really matter you know if they have physical ailments or they're disabled or they're dealing with depression or whatever fear touches us all in, in different ways and and sometimes can affect writing you know good and bad so we're going to uh, divide the show like I normally do because it just makes it easier for, for me and for everyone else into three different sections. So we'll have the first one on fear of family and friends, fear of self, and then fear of art. Those are, I find, the most common in the topic of fear that people have to sort of deal with, okay? Now, ironically, as much as fear can be a positive motivator for some people in in writing or, or in art in general I don't really see the, the positive in it because to me the arts are not like athletics where you could use the you know the fear of failure or you can use the fear of performance or hell even the fear of being ostracized by your teammates as a way to motivate somebody to get forward and do what they should do and kind of gain some confidence it's not really the same thing with, with, with writing. Go write that and don't worry about it. And if 5,000 people reject you, it's okay. You'll gain confidence. It doesn't work the same way for the arts. Certainly not for writing. Because repeated failures in the arts or you know in writing is not exactly a confidence booster. If anything, it, it sinks people worse. So we'll talk about that when we get to that section. But... It's just it's good to know you really can't compare it in the same way. Okay, we as as people and as artists we have to learn out ways to get around it to, to and sometimes to conquer it. Maybe it's not always possible to conquer it. Maybe you just have to you know find ways to to deal with it on a temporary basis. I mean, if you if you look at the definition. Of courage, courage is not the absence of fear because absence of fear is pretty much insanity. Fear is pretty much a normal part of the human condition. But really, courage is about just temporarily suspending it and long enough to get what you have to get done. So, in many ways, that's what a lot of us are going to encounter and a lot of us are going to do. So, let's talk about that. All right, so first section here would be uh, fear of family and friends. Now, I know that sounds unusual. Especially because a lot of people won't admit it. You, you'll find plenty of people admit that they have fear about themselves and their own doubts and insecurities and blah, blah, blah. And they'll even talk about fear of, 
can I say something new? Can I do something better than what's out there? You know, et cetera, et cetera. And that, in that type of fear of art. But you won't find a lot of people that like to admit that, you know, they, um, they're inhibited in many ways creatively because uh, they're worried about what their family and friends are going to say. In time, when a person sticks with the arts, especially writers, uh, they'll learn to either write those people out of their lives, so to speak. You know, and I mean that in a metaphoric fashion, although sometimes people have to literally do that. Or, or they learn how to navigate around them, you know, and, and, and just pretty much don't allow their, um, their negative commentary or, or their silly thinking to interfere with what you're trying to do. Because most people don't understand. You know, most people think if it's not connected to, uh, you know, to making money or, or becoming famous, then you, you're wasting your time. Even though that doesn't make any sense, because if you think about it, I don't mean to equate it this way, but it's just, it works metaphorically this way. I mean, cleaning the toilet bowl is really important, so you don't have a filthy toilet bowl. You're not exactly making money out of that. No one's taking a picture of you at the newspaper. You know, cutting the grass or getting the laundry done or cleaning out your, your, your bedroom. These are things we have to do on a regular basis if we want to have some kind of a life and not, not live in filth and squalor and, 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 and uh, counter hygiene. But we're not getting famous with these things. No one's paying us to do these. Although I got kids, so every so often you got to connect that to allowance or it ain't going to get done. <laughs> so I don't want to sound like a hypocrite over here. But generally adults, you're not exactly doing that. You know, unless you're paying a service to do it. So uh, I, again, that, that sort of thing doesn't make any sense. And In fact, I've actually relayed that thinking to other writers to tell family and friends about that so they understand how, how silly their thinking is. You know, I, I honestly think that deep down inside, people, when they give you problems about creativity and they give you problems about the arts and the writing, it's because, you know, part of it is they don't understand. And but when people don't understand something, they become fearful. And when they become fearful, they transfer that over to you. Uh, part of it is a form of jealousy, and another part of it is just a form of insecurity. Ah, he's doing something I don't understand, so i got to make fun of it and give him a hard time about it. I don't know why people act this way. It's one of those silly things of, of human nature that people act this way. But you have to learn to, whenever you can, navigate around it, whenever you can, avoid it, or whenever you can, just take it head on by you know saying things like that. You know, hey, you clean the toilet bowl, that's important to get done too, but it's not exactly something we all love to do. We're not going to get paid to do it. We're not getting famous to do it. So I don't understand your comments. Well, you could do what others have done, what I've done in the past, until they stop bothering me about it. It's like, hey, this is what I feel is important in my life. This is what I like to do with my time. You know, and I don't know why it has any problem with you. Unless you want to read it or you're really interested in it, then you really shouldn't have any comment about it then. Because I'm not bothering you with it. Why are you bothering me? Why is the person that collects watches and puts them in a case for the world to see. Why is that person more interesting and less likely to get bad commentary than someone who writes a poem or someone who writes an essay? Don't understand that. Okay? You got people out there that collect cuckoo clocks. Collect medallions from the military. I got some people I know that they collect baseball cards and football cards. You know? Some people collect golf balls from the different golf courses that they went through throughout their life. 
for some reason people see see the thinking behind that. That's okay. But God forbid you write a poem. See? Without trying to sound conspiratorial and without trying to sound paranoid, because if you know me at all, I'm, I'm neither one of those things. But I really think deep down inside, people say things because they understand that uh, words have meaning, words have power, words can be a, a weapon of a sort, and people, like I said, they get ignorant, they get insecure, they get defensive about these things. What are you writing about? I don't know, the world. But if you don't leave me alone, I'm going to write about how much you're, you're a big dick, okay? How do you like that? Incredibly enough, you're allowed to say that word on this network, but there's other words you can't, so you got me. But... That just shows you the, 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 I feel, the fault in their logic. But also, what you have to keep in mind is they are exhibiting a form of fear. Whenever people criticize things like that way, without having a rational reason, without having some evidence, without having something concrete, a real foundation, they're really exhibiting a form of fear. And if you take that in, you'll be doing the same thing then. And that's what you don't want to do. You should not be worried about these people at all. Hell, I don't even think you should be worried about other writers or even other editors. Because all of them and all of that has to be put to the side so that you can concentrate on what you're trying to do. How you're trying to arrange your notes, how you're trying to use some notes, notes maybe as a way to build a piece, and then you kind of go in from there and etc., etc., etc. That's what you need to be working on. That's what you need to be concentrating on. That's how you create the art that's necessary for you. And that's how you'll be able to slowly but surely write those people out of your lives where it's not important. Guess what? If you haven't learned this already, you need to learn it right now, okay? You're going to have relationships with people that have nothing to do with your writing. Meaning that you'll talk to them about the, about the theater, or maybe you're talking about movies and music, or your family, or things in the world, or politics, or whatever, and never talk about writing. It's not like because you're trying to, you know, remove the elephant in the room. No, the elephant's simply not there at all. You've taken it out of the equation. And that's the best thing to do in many instances for people. Because if they're not going to be supportive, they're not going to be understanding, or they're just going to be you know, complete morons, there's, there's no point having that as a factor. You do that all the time with people. I do that all the time with people. It's extremely rare. I talk to anybody about writing at all. Very uncommon. Unless I'm talking to people already in the writing community. Other editors, people I might interview for the show, other writers. Other times, and other than that, I don't even talk about writing with other people. I don't see the point. It's just that it's just that you have a nonsense conversation. Really? Have I seen one of your books at Barnes and Noble when I went to the mall? I mean, you hear you hear crazy idiotic things like that. Well, I write literary, so if I have a book over there, <laughs> what you do one of my science books? I mean, I doubt you've seen it. It's probably something you're not interested in. So again, it's unusual. Why even have the conversation? It's just to me, it's kind of boring, and it doesn't it doesn't really help anything. So, when I'm saying you're writing these people out, I'm not talking about that they need to be completely out of your life. Although, there are some instances where they have to, when they're just nasty people, negative people in general. Not just about the arts, but about everything. That's different. But most people, that's what you're going to do. And that's fine. 
You might hear it'll come up occasionally in a conversation. We say, "Hey, how's the writing? Oh, it's going great, man. Thank you." And, then, and you just shut it down at that point. Don't allow their ignorance, their misunderstanding, their negativity, their fear, and sometimes even their jealousy get in the way of what you're trying to do. It's harmful. It's not necessary. And you're going to find in the very end that you need to have contact with people. You need to have some sort of a social life. Okay? It doesn't always have to be connected with your arts. You're writing. It doesn't. And I think when a lot of people realize that, they feel better about the situation. I've talked to some writers that they just thought that they had to include this. And they could include it because the other people didn't understand or became fearful of it or negative or didn't understand or didn't care. Or, you know, just it became a bother for them as much as it became a bother for the writer. When I talked to them about, hey, it doesn't have to be a factor in your relationship with anybody. That's fine then. And then they understood that. They were able to withdraw from that. And that's just one less of a stress thing. It's already enough of a job to be an artist, to write, to try to things, say things that are important to yourself and to the world. Now you got to worry about whether, you know, your next door neighbor high fives you. Or your cousin on your uncle's side is, is really with it. You know what I mean? Or your mother understands everything when all she wants you to be is a lawyer or a doctor. Take these people as they are. Just simple-minded people that are trying to look for the best for some people. But unfortunately, sometimes people's best intentions uh, are actually oppressive things that they don't realize they are. You know? You ever talk to somebody that their family, all their family wanted them to do was either be a doctor or a lawyer? You know, because that's all that's left in the world to do, you know? What would we do if everybody was being a doctor and a lawyer? How the hell is anything else is going to get done in the world? Who's going to be the cop or the fireman? Who's going to fix the road? Hmm? Who's going to build the buildings? Who's going to repair the roof? And on forward and on and on and on. See? So, when you, you analyze their thinking, good intention or not, it doesn't lead to anything positive. It just leads to... And if you think about it, the families that press that sort of thing, that's all they are, is, is they're operating out of fear. Well, I'm only saying that I want you to be a lawyer or a doctor because I just want you to have a life where you don't have to worry about money. And I want you to have a life where you have a better chance of having a, a better mate. None of that stuff makes any difference, folks. It's stupid thinking. It's old-fashioned nonsense thinking. Really? How's being a doctor or a lawyer going to make you any better of a life? How, how, how's that really going to make you any more financially secure? Hmm? How? You know how many doctor people I know, young, that they're up to their ears, two, three, four hundred thousand dollars in student debt? My pediatrician only paid off his student loans two years ago, and he's in his 50s. You don't think that's a debt that he has to now carry? Plus all the overhead, open office, the doc nurses, all the stuff he got to get. And the same thing with a lawyer, they're paying the same things off. And remember, they're, they're, if they don't get these cases in, they, I mean, they're not going to have much money to operate anything anyway. Unless they work for a law firm and then they're just constantly busy doing that at a regular rate of pay. That, that's not going to make any difference no matter how many cases they take on or how much they win or lose. Does that really sound that exciting? Does that really sound like their their debts are free? They're, they're, they're just full of happiness? And how does any of that make them a happier person later on trying to find a mate? 
how do you know if the, the woman that marries you is just marrying you because you're a doctor? That's a, a status symbol and you're going to have a few dollars more than the average person. How do you know that person loves you? How do you know if you're going to have enough time for them when all you're doing is doctoring stuff and lawyering stuff? You know how many people I know, kids I've known that have grown up and become adults that, you know, yeah, my father was a doctor. I almost never saw him. Yeah, my mom's a lawyer, but she had to break the glass lead and do this and do that, and I didn't see her a lot. So what happiness are we talking about over here? So if you analyze all that kind of stuff, you're not getting a lot of great answers. So don't listen to these stupid stereotypical comments from family because, yeah, they're, 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 they're reading into things that they don't even understand. Okay, there's no formula to be happy. Okay, and there's no absolute guaranteed career you're going to go in that you're always going to be financially secure, that you're never going to have money problems. We all do in some fair fashion or another. So there really isn't anything of it, and you have to consider that. I also used to consider, because I mean, I, I talk to people all the time, especially people in those fields. I, I'm just surprised at how many of them are not exactly happy. You have to wonder how many of them just went in there because they decided to listen to their family and, and they, they, they accepted that stupid logic. Now they're in fields where they put so much of their time and money in and they can't get out. You know, you don't get too many people who become doctors and by 30 they decide to quit. That's too much. No, they're stuck doing the rest of their life now, whether they're happy or not. You get a lot of lawyers that quit because they can go into politics and they can go into business. You know, they can go into all kinds of different fields. As a doctor, you're not be able to go to too many different fields. <laughs> you're pretty much stuck as a doctor. Oh, you're doing a field within the doctoring, you know, profession. But it's not the same thing as a lawyer where you can go outside of lawyering. You have to mention how many of them went there and now they're unhappy because they didn't really make that decision themselves. They let other people make it for them. And that's why you want to stay away from that, so people don't make decisions for you. All right, next, part two here. We're going to be talking about the fear of self. Now, this, I, I even though I probably should have put it first, I didn't just because I wanted to start with the whole family and friends thing. Uh, fear of self. It's probably the most common and also probably the most intractable of the fears that you're going to be dealing with because lots of times you need to learn to make a connection to yourself as a writer if you're going to be able to start getting a, a real flow in of, of creativity if you're going to be able to start putting the words together and your meanings together and your feelings together and your thinking together maybe even some of your dreams together you need to have a better sense a better sense of yourself a lot of people have problems with that I've known writers that they wrote things that later on they didn't understand until later when they sort of seen that those were elements of their self. And it was almost like it was a mystery until then. Some people write never fully understanding themselves or understanding what they project out there in their, in their writing or in their thoughts. So even in their own personal presentation to other people. I mean, they have classes on this, especially when people are doing things like sales and marketing. It's important to understand how you're coming across because those things are more performance-related. But as a person, you don't get so many people to try to study. Oh, I'm not really trying to understand how I present people. I'm just being who I am. I have a suggestion you should do this or you shouldn't do it. But in writing, oftentimes, the more that you can learn about yourself, the better you can control your writing. But being freed of yourself or being 
I, I, I like to say not confident in who you are as a person can be a real problem. In many instances, I've talked to people where that was really the genesis of them becoming a writer because they had questions about themselves. Didn't understand certain things and wanted to know why they reacted one way towards something. You know, you're going to have the, a person who might be only interested in the business of the world versus somebody that's that really wants to have a social connection to the world. They want to know why people are homeless, why dogs are stray, why people run over cats with their cars, you know? Why do ducks poop on somebody's lawn? You know, they just want to know what's going on out there and if they could do anything to fix it. And because they have those kind of leanings, you know, they want to know why they have those. Where did that come from? Especially if you come from a family that's not pushing you in that direction, but you're going there yourself. And because people don't have answers to some of these things, they become fearful. It's a very bad thing, in my opinion, to be afraid of yourself. Too many people do this. It harms them in many ways. It harms them in in their work environment, in terms of defending themselves from people who can be idiotic or maybe even cruel. It doesn't help projecting any kind of air of confidence. Who wants to promote you if it feels like you're just always just in a corner someplace? It definitely doesn't help in terms of dating or maybe even in relationships in general because it's not really easy for people to, to both be super confident and stay in a relationship. Somebody's always trying to have a, an edge over the other person then. And it's not always the wisest and the healthiest thing to, for both people to be in a relationship and neither one of them are confident. So they're not really helping each other. I always find that some of the best relationships are with people that have certain opposites of, of fear and, and, and faith, which means that certain things the person is confident about and certain things are not, and the other person the same way. You know? This is where they, they have a better connection with each other. They're able to help each other. They have more of a type of a, you know, a personality balance. I, I'm not saying that this is something you need to look for. You hope that it comes to you naturally that you pick somebody that seems to have that. And, and, and maybe some people can aim for that. I don't think it's a bad thing. You know? But I, I never found it a good thing to try to date somebody who's a lot like me. I wouldn't I wouldn't prefer that at all. Not because I think there's all kinds of things that are bad about myself, but there are certain things that I'm already doing. I don't need somebody else to be doing it too. So it's nice to have certain things that compliment me that I'm not doing or I'm not interested in or, or that maybe they're my weak points or something. That's really better in my opinion. And I'm fortunate to have that kind of situation. But some people aren't. And this is the reason why you find a lot of people, especially if they get into the more aggressive, high-power careers, you have both people doing it, and they don't last very long because they're going to knock heads. They're going to be people that are always on the edge. They're always pushing forward. And when you go into a relationship, a lot of times you need to throttle back on things and not go forward in, in that sort of fashion. That doesn't help relationships, you know? I remember 
hearing a woman sometimes. My wife does this automatically, so I don't, I don't have to worry. But, but I've heard other women say that, you know, I've had to spend so much time being, quote, a man-like figure in business that when I come home, I'm not interested in doing that. I'm interested in just being a girl again. Not having to break this ceiling or do this or knock somebody over the head or just, that's it. So you got some women that are like that. They'll be out there and they'll be warriors at work and then they come home they just want to be women. And they just want to date somebody or be with somebody that just wants to treat them like a woman that's not trying to, you know, question their head about what's going on and what they do and this and that. And they don't want to be bossing anyone around or being boss. They just want to put all that aside. And there's nothing wrong with that. We have to learn within ourselves what we're trying to understand. You can even write that down as part of your notes as a goal. I've had other people do that before too. You know, they write some notes about writing and then they write some notes about some personal goals about themselves. These are things that they're trying to learn. These are things they're trying to uh, work on, maybe even improve, uh, that are in their, you know, in the notes and they're in a personal thing. They're not something they share with somebody. You know, so that as they try to learn and investigate this, maybe it helps them learn something better about themselves, improve certain things, become more more confident or less fearful about some elements of themselves, and they can introduce that maybe into their their creativity. Because uh, the more you know about yourself, the better you're going to be as an artist. I'm not saying it's going to be 100 percent that you know everybody because you're not. Plenty of artists that we know throughout the centuries over here, you know, a, a, a lot of them were mysteries about themselves, and, and they were okay with that. But, you know, that caused a lot of harm to them. Because the less you know about yourself as you get older, the more it becomes a, you know, a psychic burden, the more it becomes a, a stressful element in, in an unconscious way. That's why, in many ways, it's better, I feel, to know yourself as much as possible. I always thought as a perfect example would be uh, Salvador Dali. He made it really, really clear that he had a good understanding about himself, and he accepted it. And that made him less prone, you know, to depression and things like that because he had a better sense of who he was. I know um, Leonardo da Vinci was uh, something similar as well. We see from his notebooks that, you know, he had a great understanding about the world, about himself, and he was happy. And being happy, in many ways, means that he is somebody that now can go into the art, go into the whole flow of creativity without all this baggage, without all this wandering around. Because you'll see it sometimes in people's writing, especially. You'll, you'll see where it seems like they drifted off to someplace else in the middle of the work. Or the entire work seems to be about some internal question. And I don't think that it's wrong for you to write about that. What I do think is that first, if you're not crafting that piece into something that's art then that's never going to be a good thing because it's just going to be some confessional slop and that's never a good thing, all right? And of course, secondly, maybe if you can do this in such a way that that's a question you can keep working on as sort of like a, a bookmark in your soul. I got to get back to that. 
but at the same time, putting together something out there in an artistic fashion that somebody else can now connect to because they're saying, you know, I had some kind of question to like some of them myself. Yeah, maybe that's something I need to be checking out or, or trying to, you know, investigate or maybe even write about. You could spur somebody on. Connection is all about art. Art is all about connection. It's not always going to be a 100% connection. It's not a perfect connection, okay? You could write in an abstract manner and still be art. Still, people don't have a full connection of it. They're only going to get bits and pieces. They might get the whole thing as an artistic environment or, or an artistic experience and never catch it all. Or maybe it takes a while. And that's fine, too. It's never always going to be perfect, so you don't have to strive towards that. But it does need to have some kind of connection. And if it's not always going to be a great connection out there, then it has to at least be some kind of connection inside where you're writing from. But it's like the eternal thing that I stress in, in writing and in creativity with people is learning to make that connection because that's how you start making your writing work for you rather than your writing not working for you, becoming a mystery. It's okay when you put something out there and sometimes elements of it, or maybe all of it, is a mystery to a person. That's going to happen. Not everybody's going to catch everything. As long as you put together in an artistic fashion, that's what counts. But I always found that it's not a good thing if you write something and it's a mystery to you. Yeah, I mean, I think it sounds okay, Mark, but I don't really understand what the hell it says. To me, that's always a problem. To me, that's really uh, saying, hey, I'm not really sure what I'm doing over here. I'm just letting my complete, you know, unconscious uh, take control. Well, that's not really the best thing to do. Because in the end, if you rely on just that, what you're going to be doing is you're going to be relying on something that is not reliable it's not consistent it's 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 pretty much you know a, a primitive uh, form of the muse you, you we talked about this you know in the past but you can't go around waiting around for some muse to hit you they have some perfect poem or some great piece of work because it's not going to happen on a regular basis same thing with your subconscious you can't wait for something interesting mysterious to come out and, and put it out there again not going to be consistent not always going to be reliable. The majority of the work that we do, folks, is the hard work of trying to craft things from our talent and make something happen. Doing that on our own over the course of time of looking through notes, of examining ourselves in that day, of rewriting and then rewriting again. That's where most of our work's going to be coming from. That's why having a fear about yourself is not a helpful task because in the end you're going to inhibit the things you're doing because remember you have to work on this anyway you're not getting all these magical spiritual mystical experiences on a regular basis so it's all work and why inhibit it the work when it really is inhibited just because you have to work on things on a regular basis you got to consult those notes 
You got to consult your feelings. You got to consult your schedule when you can write and when you can do things. All of that. So why put another roadblock and mix a, a mini of many? Don't do that. All right, folks, let's go on to our next section, and that is fear of art. No, I know that probably sounds unusual, but it's not. And I'll explain over here, okay? You have a number of writers that sometimes they get they get frustrated because of the rejections. They get frustrated because sometimes editors, whether they have the best intentions or not, can make comments and rejections. You might get some nasty comments sometimes. Or maybe you, sometimes you may get positive comments, which, believe it or not, can even be more frustrating. I mean, I, I try to find them as blessings. I try to take the best approach to them like anybody else does. I mean, I got one like two weeks ago where the, the person said the most wonderful things about my writing, but they, they found they couldn't fit it in their magazine. I mean, I just I just try to take it in flow that way, that that's something good. But sometimes people, they get that makes them more angry because they're saying the central question, well, if you took the time to see how great my work is, how important it is, but then you're not publishing it. What the hell are you saying? Is this even true? And if it is true, I don't understand. Well, I had a piece about um, visiting uh, a concentration camp in Germany. Um, Dachau, actually. And uh, so I guess I could see how maybe they didn't want it, they didn't want that to fit in, in the flow of whatever they're doing. Now, I didn't send it to a magazine that had a certain theme, okay? So it wasn't like it wasn't fitting in that. I don't really know how it doesn't fit in a magazine overall. You got me. I mean, because I don't have any themes in my uh, my journal uh, aerial chart, so I wouldn't have a problem fitting that in if I if I felt it, it was a worthwhile effort. But for some reason, they didn't. You just have to take them at face value. But I can understand how a writer would feel, you know, upset about that in a strange way. What the heck? Some writers, they get to where a comment like that is like an additional insult. It's bad enough you rejected me. Now you're saying this is great, but you're still rejecting me. You know? That's the fear of the art. That some people get like, hey, I, I don't know what I could do over here, right or wrong, because I can't seem to get anywhere. I say live with those comments. Take them as they are. And the reason why I say this is for one reason and one reason alone. I'm one of the few journals, Aerial Chart, that actually tells people anything of importance when they get rejected. Now, of course, I would never say that because I don't have those kind of thinking. But in general, when anybody writes you anything about your work, you should take it seriously. I mean, unless they're saying just something that sounds like it's personal garbage. You're an idiot, and I hate this poem. No, I don't, you don't want to take that. But you're not really going to get much of that. Whatever they do say, you know, take it. Take it as a positive thing. Because when people are taking their time to write something to you, but they're not accepting your work, it still means something. It still has value. In many ways, that should be a way to push you forward. And that's, I believe, how you should view it. It's not a good idea to view it as, you know, they must be lying. 
Why would they lie? Why would they waste their time to lie then? Why not just to send you a, a form letter and be done with it? No. In fact, this person sent me the form letter as in form of an email, but purposely wrote in there on top of that their their positive comments. Again, they took the time to do that. They didn't have to. So that's how we should take that. But you have a lot of other people, particularly when when it, when it appears that they they run the they run the route of things and they kind of get a little down on themselves. So maybe even in the beginning of when they're starting all this, well, how do I put something out there that's that's going to beat Shakespeare? That's going to say something more than you know Upshaw. It's going to say something more than you know Poe or whatever. I mean, well, first of all. You're not any of those people. And no matter how great you become as a writer, you're not going to be. Those people are those people. So that's the first thing you want to be able to rule out as simply not a useful comment to, to say about art. It's just not practical. Second of all, these are people from a different time, different lifestyle. 50, 60, 100, 300, 500 years ago, we're talking about. Making any kind of comparison makes no sense. Okay, we live in a time right now where, you know, we have instantaneous messages. We're shooting rockets to space and, and, and space stations and other planets. We got a helicopter flying around on Mars right now. You couldn't even say yet twenty years ago without sounding like you're crazy. So we live in a completely different time, and that makes it that makes a difference, because you're a person that has an enormous amount of instruments at at the touch of a button on on a smartphone can access an encyclopedia and communications and pictures and everything and one device it's almost magical so you're going to have a different take on the world who's to say you can't write about those things you know i like to see a nice poem about interesting things that you could do with a cell phone maybe a fiction piece about you know something positive out of a computer these are things those people can never write. See, so already you're separating yourself from them. Already you're doing something different than the pack of the people you're referring to. Now, they're important to read. They're important to understand what they've done and, and enjoy it. Help them stir your imagination. But you're not trying to become them because you can't. You're not living in their life. Okay, remember when, when, when Poe was writing it, there was still slavery going on. All right, when you, you got Shakespeare writing, there was all kinds of intrigue going on. England was in, in this battle and that, this situation and that. These are different things now. Now England is just by itself. It doesn't really have colonies anymore. There's no longer war going through Europe. When you look at that, and you look at the facts, and you look at the reality, that'll start calming you down from the fear of art, that you cannot add something to it. Because you can. First of all, you can because you are a different person than anybody else. Second, you can because you're learning more about yourself and trying to improve in your writing. Third, you're in a whole different environment than anybody else that you're referring to. 
No one says you can't talk about exploring more of the inner space of Earth rather than the outer space, or exploring more of the outer space because we've done so much on Earth. Exploring things that can be talked about in technology right now, and a virus escaping a lab in China and infecting the whole world. And how you half the world suspects that's the other case, and the other half the world would rather deny it. And usually, usually the same people that, that, that always claim and preach to us. We can learn so much from history. We're doomed to repeat it if we don't learn. Yet you got people right now particularly want to stop you from learning where this virus came from. Really, why do you want to do that? If I'm supposed to learn from history so I can stop this sort of thing from happening again, then we need to find out the source, don't you think? See? Again, things that we could be writing about, things that we could be thinking about and talking about. Those are not things that can even be done even 50 or 60 years ago. We now have so much of an access to understanding how viruses operate. Remember, we, we created a, a vaccination for this virus in less than a year. You know how long it took for other people to do something like this? For other, other diseases? And all that they had to go through? So there's so much we could do when we put our mind to it. There's so much we can do when we stop the fears. We stop the nonsense. That's really going to happen with this with this virus right now we're dealing with, with the COVID. When people stop all the stupid fears about, oh, I don't want them to call me a name, or I don't want to have a political inconvenience, when we stop doing that, we'll finally figure out where it came from and what we can try to do to prevent this from happening again. To prevent it from being released, to prevent it from accidentally being created, maybe prevent it uh, for having more preventive measures in, in our medical system or in our society, so we don't have to be dealing with this at any time in the future. Maybe there are little things we can learn from it. And we're only going to be able to do that together. Art is the same way. So having fears about that, that really does inhibiting people. I've heard people say these sort of things and, and give up writing. Oh, I can't really say anything new. It takes too long to get published. It's too difficult. Writers don't want to be my friends. My family don't understand. You can make a million excuses up. And I made, I made a mention of this in another episode before. Somebody actually emailed me offended by it. But hey, it's a proper allegory uh, uh, and I'm going to continue with it. Because it, to me, it's exactly the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. The people who say that about art and give up is the same people that have those weight problems and give up. Same excuses. Same ones. So they're never going to get anywhere because they don't have the willpower to, to move on ahead. Okay? Because you can say the same things about losing weight. You know, Mark, I don't really, I don't really have the time in my schedule. It's just too hard to run. It's too difficult to try to figure out... Um, what foods I want to eat that are healthier. And they, I don't like them. They're kind of boring. And then I have to do the extra work of putting it together every day so I can bring it to work with me so I can avoid eating bad foods and I can eat the good foods. You know? I don't like the, the social uh, problem I have where I sit down with people eating my stuff and then they're questioning me. Really? How is all this difficult? It's just excuses. You know? How about you just sit down one day with, with workers and say, hey, that food for me is not healthy. This is what I'm eating, okay? I'm trying to take care of myself better, trying to lose some weight. That's it. 
That's it. You got some folks, I don't even want to do that. Well, then don't sit with anybody then. Be, be antisocial because you don't have you don't really have a lot of choices over here whatever you do when you make decisions it's going to have an impact on you you got to be responsible for that okay you worry about people's feelings well they, I guess you're going to stay fat then you're concerned about uh, other people saying this or saying that or you don't know how to defend yourself and move on so you can get better with your health okay because if you don't do this now, whether it's your weight or the art, down the line, nothing gets any easier. And it's much harder to get back to. You know you know how many people I know my age right now that are grossly overweight, have heart problems, have um, breathing problems, have diabetes and all these problems at, at my age. I go out running every night, every day. Okay? I don't see anybody my age out there running with me. They're all younger people. Was running only for young people? No, they're on the golf course. I don't know if you know anything about golf, but it's not exactly the most physically active sport. Okay? Now, you're young, and you're probably already doing some exercise programs, so big deal, go do golf. But, you know, you're 55 and 56 like I am, and you got a bot belly, but golf is not really the, the sport for you. That's what these people do. And then they wonder why they're having all these problems, why they die in their 60s. I don't care if a male's lifespan is supposed to be shorter than a female. The only reason it is that way, I don't feel it's because it's biological. It's because I feel it's mental. They don't want to take care of themselves. They don't go to the doctor when they should. They don't take care of themselves. So they're going to die sooner. I'm not really interested in dying sooner. That's why I quit smoking when I was 16 years ago. You know, and I, I run and, and eat better and I take care of myself. Am I in perfect shape for my health? I don't know. I don't I don't think so. But I don't have any kind of a heart problem. Got no breathing problems. Got no high blood pressure problems. My sugar is not the best I would like it to be, but I'm not I'm not running to take medicine and go and take shots every day or something. I keep working on that, that's what you can do. But hey, I'm out there running, I'm out there doing what I should be doing. It's no different than art. If you need to take a moment back, that's fine. You know, I know some people that they deal with writer's block, and, and sometimes writer's block is emotional constipation. Sometimes writer's block is just a way for you to, to work your own doubts, maybe even your own fears, so you can go back to it later. Sort of regroup, and maybe it's like a temporary retreat, just to give yourself a break. There's nothing wrong with that. That's actually a good thing. And maybe we should do that more often than not. But we don't want to stay away from it because we have this reservation or we have that excuse. or you know, That's why these people become afraid of art. I think in many ways it, it just it winds up becoming an excuse, some of their reasons. Anything at all that you want to make a priority with can be done. And, and I'm not certainly encouraging this, I'm making light of it, but it also gives you a perfect example. You know how many people I know that they're cheating in their relationships? How the hell are they finding time in their life to cheat on somebody? Why? Because guess what? Bad or not, they made that a priority. So if the cheating spouse or the cheating boyfriend or can make time to do that, 
why can't you make time for exercise for your own health? Why can't you make time to sit down and get some writing done, or get some notes done, or get some editing done, get some rewriting done? Okay? If the people with the worst intentions <laughs> can, can find time and make time in their schedule to do something, then you should be able to do it with the best intentions, with the best motives and the best reasons. It makes no sense otherwise if you think about it. Alright folks, that is it for this show. I'm hoping that helps you to understand more about fear, trying to put it in its context, try to put it in its place. It does, whether we like it or not, hell, whether I like it or not, it does have a place in our lives where you're never completely going to get rid of it, but you can put it in its place. You can govern the way it acts. You can navigate around it. You can jump over it if you have to. You can even at times ignore it to get the things that you have to get done, done. Because if you don't, instead of you controlling fear to a certain extent, it's going to wind up controlling you. And one of the unusual things about fear is that it winds up controlling you more than you can control it. So you don't want that happening. Alright folks, until next time, that was episode number 200. Exciting to finally get to that number. Okay, fear is not my shepherd, definitely isn't, okay, it's not my co-pilot, it's not my uh, my significant other, okay, it's not an ally, alright, fear is not my shepherd, episode 200, the strength to be human, I'm your host Mark Anthony Rossi, good night and God bless. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com.